We'll make it work. How's it going, y'all? There we go. So, as Mandy said, my name is Nate. This is my wife, Michelle. Uh, we've been married for 15 years. And we have two kids, uh, Graham, who's 11 now, and Grace, who's 7. And we probably have a picture to, to throw up. Yeah, there. Um, <clears throat> so, I, I was raised in a Christian environment. I was baptized at the age of 7. And I would say that for most of my life, I never really truly understood what it meant to follow Christ, though. My parents divorced when I was 5. And uh, that planted seeds of loneliness, abandonment, low self-esteem in my life. Uh, Even at that age, I recognized my family was broken. I was afraid that it would never be made whole, and somehow I felt like it was kind of my fault. Uh, All that made me feel like I was different from the other kids, like I didn't fit in. Uh, After my mom remarried when I was 11, those feelings turned to anger and bitterness towards my stepfather, because I realized that was the end for mom and dad. And so as a result of of that marriage, my stepfather's work roles, we moved around a lot during my middle school and my high school years. Uh, Since I already was a shy and reserved kid, uh, those frequent moves led to even more isolation and loneliness. And that isolation sparked, then intensified an addiction to pornography, which I was exposed to at a young age. And that habit, unfortunately, continued to grow through high school, college, and and actually well into our marriage. Um, But despite all of that, people actually considered me a good kid. And I actually worked really hard to project and to maintain that image, as well as people's approval. Uh, In a twisted way, I craved that approval to offset how guilty I felt. Uh, So I made good grades. I never got into trouble. I was active at my parents' church. It was a facade. I wrongly thought that it was working out okay, though. Regardless, that church activity and a family connection led to a discipleship opportunity as a senior in high school, and it was at that trip that I met Michelle. Like Nate, I too grew up in a Christian home, and I accepted who Christ was at a young age, uh, but I didn't truly know what it meant to have a relationship with him and give him control of my life. Church was a big part of my childhood, and our small church body was like family. My parents were very loving and encouraging and frequently praised my achievements, sometimes saying that I was like Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. My perception that they had high expectations for school performance and behavior in part led to struggles with people-pleasing and pride. As a teenager, I thought I was humble and well-behaved compared to my peers, but truly I just enjoyed the praise that I received during involvement with sports, the arts, and youth leadership. These activities through school and church made me appear like a good Christian girl, but everything was for my glory, not God's. I sought the spotlight and craved validation from others, especially boys. When I was 17, I went on a three-week-long discipleship training in Europe where I met Nate. And we have a picture of us as babies. (laughs) Um, At the time, I already had a boyfriend, but Nate and I remained friends into college. I continued to date around, but eventually realized that Nate was the one I didn't want to live without. So we started dating. Our colleges were about eight hours away from each other, and our long-distance relationship was not a healthy one. Uh, When we were together, we would push physical boundaries, and while apart, we communicated frequently but very poorly. I wanted an engagement sooner rather than later, and uh, that was because my ideal was to be married by 21, but Nate showed (laughs) no signs of making that commitment. At the time, I didn't realize it, but when things don't go my way, I have a tendency to sabotage and pursue the next thing rather than being patient and waiting on the Lord's plan. 
Our unhealthy relationship and my unmet expectations, coupled with a non-existent walk with the Lord, led me to seek fulfillment through partying and eventually a physical relationship with another man. These poor choices quickly left me feeling guilty and undeserving of Nate, so I decided to confess to him. I was certain he wouldn't want to be with me anymore, and then I could move past my guilt. Life was falling apart as I lived in the flesh rather than following the Lord. And so when I found out, I was devastated. I I had no active faith or relationship with the Lord. My relationship with Michelle had become the thing that defined me. Um, So simply put, she was was an idol. And the end of our relationship, it brought back feelings of anger, bitterness, abandonment, things that I'd been trying to avoid since I was a kid and my parents split. Here was another person in my life who said they loved me and now they wanted to leave. Additionally, that low self-esteem caused me to feel inadequate, that she no longer found me attractive. Above all, I just felt lost without direction. I was solely relying on a relationship with her to provide all of that for me. Um, But in those moments, and really God's grace, I remembered kind of what I'd been taught as a teenager, like what to do when you feel lost. I prayed for the first time in years. I opened my Bible. I skimmed through it with the help of some Google searches. uh, And I remembered that really God commands us to forgive one another. I, I didn't know what that meant, how to do it. I didn't even want to. But that's what the Bible said I should do. So I did it. I said, I forgive you. And then I stopped praying. I put my, my Bible back in the closet, and we never really addressed any of the hurt that I felt. I ignored it because I thought that's what men were supposed to do. Uh, I assumed wrongly that time would heal the wound, that I had forgiven and eventually would forget. So we just we continued to date. Mission accomplished, right? Everything's good. Within six months, we were engaged. We got married in October 2007. I'd just begun graduate school, and now that the relationship box was kind of checked off, academic achievement quickly replaced her as my idol. I spent the first summer we were married away in another country doing research. And after I got back, I used school as an excuse to avoid quality time with my wife and involvement in the church that she attended. Uh, it's really fair to say of me that I had no concept of how to be a loving husband or a spiritual leader. And when I finished school, we moved here to Dallas. I shifted focus to the next idol, which was my new career. As he touched on, our early marriage was largely separate. We may have lived under the same roof and shared meals, but we didn't have spiritual or emotional intimacy. My patterns of pride and seeking attention from others continued as I became involved with the local church, um, and I started a new job. Even though Nate stayed with me after my confession, I had not sought transformation from the Lord uh, to break old patterns. The story was the same as where I grew up. At church, my ego was stoked by people complimenting my singing and asking me to help with youth drama. At work, I proved to be dependable and flexible, and uh, any praise that I received still made me feel like I was better than others. Uh, When his career brought us to Dallas, I felt validated and important when my employer asked me to transfer to their Dallas office. So we both had work here to fill our time, but because of our upbringing, we did still feel, feel compelled to join a church. Um, Our walks weren't active, but we were drawn to Watermark because it was right down the street, and we quickly got involved in community where we continued to go through the motions. Uh, We still hit our sin patterns, though, so um, (laughs) we disagreed about when to start having children. That didn't fit with my four-year plan. I had always wanted to have our first child within three to four years of marriage. Uh, Knowing that my expectations regarding our first child would be unmet made me feel powerless and like he didn't care about my desires. 
Since I was emotionally vulnerable and wasn't seeking the Lord's guidance, my tendency to flirt led to an, emo- an emotional affair with a coworker. Like the last time, I eventually felt guilt and shame, but there was also something new, a deep hunger for change. I finally ended the work affair, and I was tired of repeating the same cycles and wanting to be free from it. I cried out to God and begged forgiveness. Over the next couple of years, I pursued the Lord with a whole heart, and this time I was not simply checking off an item on my to-do list. Um, Through church community, scripture memory, focused Bible study, I came to know God's character and his desire to have an intimate relationship with me. I found my worth in how he loves me, not in how others make me feel. Whereas I used to live in fear of my recurring sins, I now knew in my heart that I was a new creature. The old me had passed away. The new me, which is Christ in me, had come. I wasn't that person anymore. Um, the Lord prompted me even to give up alcohol completely in 2014 because I noticed how much my mind would wander when I had any. So, um, he's helped me remove stumbling blocks from my behavior and given me new desires that honor him. He taught me how to be a loving servant wife without expecting validation in return. And during this process, um, Nate gave in on starting a family. Um, we had Graham in 2012, at which point I quit my job to stay home with him. One day I was spending time in the word and I read Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If therefore you are presenting your offering at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. The Spirit showed me through that scripture that my intimacy with the Lord could not continue to grow unless I was reconciled to my husband. He didn't even know about my indiscretions with the coworker two years before that, but I knew I needed to confess. It terrified me because of my history. Without giving details, I begged my community group girls for prayer and that the confession would be healing. That evening, I laid my shame out for Nate to see, just praying that he could forgive me again. And so, uh, when I found out, I was devastated. Again, uh, I'd not addressed any of the anger, bitterness, fear of abandonment, unhealthy body image, all those things uh, that kind of popped up the first time. They just, they came right back again. Uh, Turns out, forgive and forget is not true. Like before, I was blindsided by the news. But looking back now, I can see that the unfaithfulness, it ran both ways. It just looks different on my end. I had a great job out of school. My full attention was on working hard to impress my coworkers and my bosses. My marriage took a back seat to my job, and my air quote faith here was nothing more than attending church on Sundays and trying to figure out more creative ways to avoid the community group that we had joined. Um, <laughs> the job required frequent travel to some really remote places. I loved it because I could just unplug from my marriage, forget about being a husband. But with the increase in travel came an increase in my consumption of pornography. At the time, it seemed like a harmless way to pass time in a hotel room, and I had totally bought the lie that that behavior wasn't hurting Michelle or our marriage. I was so caught up in myself and doing whatever I wanted to do, whenever I wanted to do it, that I was blind to the way that the Lord was working in my wife's heart. I watched her read her Bible, journal, and pray, but was so focused on gratifying myself that it didn't even click to me that the faith I claimed to have should have been drawing me to do those exact same things. When, expl- when Michelle explained to me why she was confessing, because her relationship with God couldn't grow unless she did so, I could see that something had changed. 
And I also knew that unless I got serious about our marriage, the anger and bitterness that I couldn't shake would ruin whatever relationship we had left. So at Michelle's suggestion and with our community group in tow, we ended up here. They re-engaged a few months later. I took time, but over those months, the Lord graciously revealed some really hard truth to me. Uh, First and foremost was that the biggest problem in my marriage wasn't Michelle seeking attention from other men, but my own pride and selfishness. The feelings of anger and, and abandonment, bitterness, those were there because I put faith in other things besides the Lord. My addiction to pornography was a futile attempt to find pleasure and satisfaction apart from God. And additionally, the only way to fix this was with God's help. And to do that would require a much deeper relationship with him than I had at the time. So I began spending that time in his word. I learned what forgiveness looked like. I learned how my anger and bitterness were signs that I didn't really forgive Michelle, even though I said I had. Uh, For two years, I had been adamant that I didn't want another child. As I learned how God had forgiven me, me, I realized what I was doing was holding the possibility of that second child over Michelle's head as punishment for the way that she'd hurt me. I was using another kid as a weapon. And in that moment, I knew that not only did I need to forgive Michelle, but I needed to confess those feelings. I needed to confess my pornography usage. And I had to ask her forgiveness because all of that was hurting her too. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 commands us to let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander to be put away along with all malice and to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving as God in Christ forgave you. When the Lord convicted me that I needed to confess to Nate, I had no expectations that he would in turn be convicted of any wrongdoing. I knew that I was the one who messed up. However, he immediately said he knew he hadn't been the leader I needed and hadn't loved me well. It wasn't an excuse for my behavior at all, but he was owning at least some of his part before we even came to re-engage. He took the first step toward healing by encouraging me that we should bring our community group in on the details. Fear had always held us back from sharing 100%, but when we told our group, they loved us unconditionally as Christ does. It was with their support that we decided to walk through re-engage. And once we started that process, the Lord continued to reveal our tendencies to be selfish and prideful. We also were terrible at communicating. Both of us had unvoiced and therefore unmet expectations, which in part fed our sin struggles. We weren't serving each other as Christ would have us do, so we were running to other outlets to be served. Seeing Nate pursue the Lord was a desire I didn't even know I had until he started engaging in the material and initiating conversation every week. The discussion we had about forgiveness was difficult. It broke my heart when he said he didn't want a second child. But through that discussion, I realized that I needed to change my prayers. Rather than asking the Lord to change Nate's mind, I needed him to change my heart so that I found my satisfaction in him alone rather than my own plans and timing. It was a long process, but the Lord changed both of our hearts, and we ended up having grace in 2015. The fact that we had her at all is proof that he softens hearts through the process of forgiveness and reconciliation. The fact that it was much later than I wanted was proof that the Lord's timing is perfect and that he knows what what is best for me. Nate and I still don't have it figured out. We still have to be intentional and communicate clearly and lovingly with each other, especially regarding expectations. But with the Lord's grace, we're learning to humbly confess to each other when we stumble We are also both quick to ask for and extend forgiveness and pursue reconciliation. Being intentional to communicate expectations does wonders to minimize conflict because it gives us the opportunity to serve each other well. 
Since I tend to be prideful and selfish, serving him doesn't come easily, but the Lord is teaching me to rely on his strength rather than my own. And as for my part, the Lord continues to teach me how to lead Michelle in humility and trust in him him for wisdom. Uh, One way he does that is by nudging us to serve together in marriage ministry here at church. Uh, That's intimidating and awkward for me, and it feels like a ton of work when I try and do it out of my own pride and do it on my own terms. But when I yield to the Lord, I find it humbling, unifying for us, and a tremendous source of blessing. I constantly need the reminders of God's grace, forgiveness, and love that comes through watching him work in the lives of people like y'all here in this room. And if I could leave you with just a little bit of encouragement, it would be from Psalm 34. Verse 19 reminds us that we will all experience seasons of hardship in this life. And Michelle and I have walked through a lot of that too. Turmoil at work, sickness, mourning the loss of parents, grandparents, dear friends. Um, And low moments, it sometimes just feels like one long extended trial. You just take blow after blow. So maybe you walked in tonight with something like that going on. Maybe some of you would even put your marriage at the very top of that list. But Psalm 34, 18 promises us that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. And in verse four, David writes that I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. So after walking through 15 years together, Michelle and I can confidently say that no matter the source of that brokenness for us, pride, infidelity, anger, bitterness, now just grief, um, even though all of that happens, those words have proven true. The only remedy for that is Jesus. And so for those that know him, verse 3 says, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And for those that don't know him yet, verse 8 invites you to taste and see that the Lord is good. So we hope that the story he has written in our lives is an encouragement to you wherever you are tonight. And thanks for letting us share.